0: Thank you for joining the Relief from Grief podcast by Miriam Ribiat and Hebrel Lomde Mishnah. Our goal is to help you find the chizik you may need and the comfort of knowing that you are not alone. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me here today on the Relief from Grief podcast. Today, actually, we are going to be doing something a little bit differently. This is actually a recording from a Zoom talk that I gave a few months back for Project Light. It was a talk that I gave to girls that have a friend that lost appearance it spoke, you know, a lot about how to relate to your friends, things to say, things not to say. Which, of course, I will. You'll, if you listen, you'll hear how it's discussed that it's very unique, very individual. But some things that many girls found very helpful. Much of it came because of my interviewing many people that I interviewed for the book. I wish someone would have told me. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you find it helpful because Baruch Hashem, many people really have found it very helpful. Thank you so much. Okay, so I'm going to start off. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. I was helping seminary for a few months when my brother, who was 13 years old at the time, was diagnosed with leukemia. He was sick for 10 months, and then he was nifter. It was very, very difficult. It was besides the loss of my brother, it was also the change in the whole family like dynamics to see my parents pain, to see, see their sadness and like to be so helpless there was nothing that i could do about it it was like a very very strong kind of pain when it was coming up to his first yard site or i should say really when it was his first year site and we went to the cemetery and it's like a very you know serious day and a very I guess, sad kind of day, and I'm trying to be in the mood, but I was very, very seriously dating my husband at that point. And I'm from Detroit. My husband, I saw someone even ask me where I'm from. I'm from Detroit. My husband's parents, both his parents, actually also grew up from Detroit. So when I went to the cemetery to my brother's cover, I saw my mother-in-law's parents were like right there, right next to where my brother is buried. And all I could think about is like, looking at this firm and looking at the names and thinking like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and here's my brother, but look, I see this guy that I'm dating. I see his grandparents. It must be a good sign. It must be, you know, they know what's going on. They, whatever. I was like very into just the fact that there are his um grandparents. And a week later I got engaged. And it was really, I have to say, that it was very special being that I come from a small community, although really any communities today, but you know, the whole community really rallied with us when my brother was sick and they really, really joined in some and I got married. It was, they were really, really happy. I got married. I had a baby right away and things kind of went along, you know, normal the way things kind of, you know, I expected. A few years into my marriage I had I had a sister, an older sister who was not married yet. And she, she had some like just weird symptoms, nothing major, but when she went to the doctor, it was quite a shock to find out that she had cancer. I really kind of randomly called her up. I'm like, hi, Estee, how are you? And she tells me, yeah, I'm in Sloan. I just found out I had cancer. That was on a Tuesday. Before the Friday afterwards, my mother called me up and my parents didn't know yet. She didn't want my parents to know yet until she like went to more doctors and we had like a, front, like a real, you know, more prognosis, you know, more what's going on. That Friday, my mother called me up and it was pretty close to Shabbos and she's like, I know you're busy. I know it's close to Chavez, but I really have to speak to you. So if you could please just answer the phone or call me back as soon as you could. So I quickly grabbed the phone. I couldn't even imagine, like, what in the world could she possibly say? And she says to me, Rem, I I just, I I have to tell someone. I just feel so bad springing this on you, but I just came out from the doctor and I have cancer. My mother herself, she actually had some symptoms, but she was so petrified that we're well, really like an open family. We talk about everything, like there's no secrets, but she was just so petrified that she didn't tell anyone that she felt something and that she made an appointment and like nothing. So this is totally, totally like shocking. And it was very, very difficult the next few years. Life really became all about, you know, PET scans and CAT scans and this kind of test and that kind of test and chemo and radiation and you know how, what were the results and waiting for the next results. And neither of them ever really got a really good result. Like there was always like, you know, if it was just status quo, we were happy. No one ever got like a really good result. And during this time, my parents came into Lakewood. I live in Lakewood. And my parents came into Lakewood for a Sana. And in the middle of Akasana, my father had a heart attack and died. Now, really, I say he had a t- heart attack and died because that's a normal thing to say. I just have to put this out there that I don't completely believe he had a heart attack. I think he just died. It was so quick and so sudden that, that I say he just died and therefore his heart stopped. Who said that his heart stopped and therefore he died? But either way, he had a heart attack and he like died instantly. And during that shiva, like, I kept looking at my sister who at that point was really sick and she was really not looking very good. And I kept on saying, okay, she's going to somehow get better. She has to get better. I mean, it only makes sense that she's going to get better, right? My brother died. Now my father died. My mother is sick. I shouldn't look, wouldn't make her die also, right? Except that she did die. Eight months later, she died. And shortly after that, my mother was niftar. So I went through a lot of loss. And like someone just asked, I, I do write about it sometimes when I get in the mood. And I have spoken about it. And normally, this is kind of where I would stop and talk about... You know, the different things I had to work on and the different, you know, the that I had to work on and how I had to let go of what I thought I had you know control over and bringing Hashem more into my life and recognizing the good in my life and lots of different things that I had to talk about, that I had to really work on. But I'm not talking about that. Instead, I'm going to tell you that my mother died right at the beginning of the school year and I was teaching and it was I had a very, very difficult class that year. And I was so like, not focused. I couldn't focus on my class and I couldn't focus on my family and I couldn't focus on anything. And at some point in the middle of the year, I felt like I was going to lose it. And I was like, I just, I need a break. I can't work. I just need a break. I just, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I was like so emotionally depleted. So I decided that the following year was not going to go back to teaching. And I took the year off. I actually took off, I think it was about a year and a half. And after a year and a half, I was like, okay. Time to get back to work. What do I want to do? It was very interesting to me that I absolutely, like, did not want to classroom. I didn't want to step into a school, forget about a classroom. I think I was so traumatized for years while all this, like, sickness was going on. And then that's such a difficult year. I was, like, done. I, no classroom for me. So I had to figure out what I wanted to do, and I really didn't know. And one day I see this ad about this office that was looking for someone to do very like mindless work, like data entry, only a few hours a week, working from home, flexible hours. I was like, oh my gosh, perfect! This is exactly what I can handle right now. Let me do this. If, you know, they hire me, then work for a couple months, and then I'll you know figure out what I want to do. So I called them up, and I went for an interview. And I was hired and I started working for this organization, a nonprofit organization called Hevra Lundin Mishnah. So Hevra De Mishnah started off as an organization that we have people that learn Mishnah, Mishnah is for someone that has a solution or a yard or it could be that... They themselves don't have the ability to learn or don't have the time to learn. Or it could be, you know, for a Shloshan coming up, they said that they're going to learn to nice, they don't have the time for it. So, come to have Mishnah, we have people that are sitting and learning, and they're going to learn for you. But dealing with such a population, it's sort of branched out to a lot of products. Like, we have a lot of um, products that are just, like, basics to help out people in this kind of situation. Like, we have uh, a pamphlet of all the time to say when a person goes to a cover. We have... A small little booklet of Hilchel Shiva so that if someone is sitting Shiva and they need a quick answer to what my is, it's just small. It's not a whole book that you have to look through. So we have a lot of different things like that. So when I came on, I started doing my boring data entry, which was perfect for me, but it slowly branched out to like, I, I, I like to write. I write sometimes. So, hey, we have a blog on our website. Why don't I start writing? So I started writing for the website. And then we hooked up with an organization called Links that deals with girls and boys that went through a loss. So it was like, hey, why don't I... We hooked up with them and I started writing for I have a publication that comes out a couple times a year and I write for them. And slowly, I got involved in like a bunch of different things, writing things and not writing things. And one day, my boss called me up and he said to me, you know, we have a book for children. It's called I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me. And it's a very perfect book for kids. That explains a little bit about the, of the neshama in a very, like, not threatening way. We have that for kids. We have a book for adults. It's called "The Neshama Shav and Aliyah, And it explains, you know, what happens to the Neshama right after person person's It explains what a person could do that first year and, like, and all that type of stuff. But we have nothing for teens. And unfortunately, there's so many teens that, you know, that went through loss today. Like, how could we not have something for teens? That's it. We have to do something for teens. So we started talking about, like, you know, who should write it and what format, and we were going back and forth. And I don't remember if it was that conversation or a conversation the next day or something, but I said, you know, maybe I could do this. Let me try this out. So I hung up the phone and I was already with this new job of writing a book for teens. And I have to tell you that it was a very, very inspirational journey for me. I don't know, for lack of a better word. I was I interviewed a lot of girls and a lot of boys that went through loss and I was really, really amazed at these people that like went through so much, and internally they were working on themselves like so much. But like, it was a type that no one's going to know unless you're like a very good friend with them. No one's going to know like what they're working on, but they really were making changes. And I really, I have a lot of teenage boys, Kanaihara, and like I used to hang the phone and tell my boys, "Oh my gosh, that's it. When you you know start to be you have to marry someone that lost a parent." These people, I just they're, they're incredible. They're they're really amazing. So it was very fulfilling for me. It took me about two and a half years to write the book. And when the book was finished, people would ask me, like, what's the point of the book? What do you want the teen who reads this book, who needs this book, what do you want them to gain from it? And I told them there's two things. Number one is that when a person is going through grief, there's a very wide range of emotions and they could go from like one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum like in seconds. And that can make them feel crazy. If one second you're sitting and you're talking and you're laughing with your friends, and the next minute someone says something that totally triggered you and you start boiling, like, that can make a person feel crazy. So I wanted to be very clear that, like, to all these, you know, people that, like, you are normal like if you are crying one minute if you're laughing the next minute it's totally normal and the same thing if a girl is standing next to their sister and someone comes over and says something and this girl thinks it's the most insensitive thing and she's so hurt by her and how could someone you know say that and her sister could be like what, what what's the deal like what did she say already? and you know the next one could be the opposites where you know the a girl could feel like so what's the big deal that she said that and the sister could be so insulted and it can make a person feel crazy like why am i always the opposite of everyone and why is like my emotions changing so quickly so i wanted to be like very clear that whatever you're feeling it's okay i mean i write a lot about different tools that could help a person you know different different ways to help themselves get through all these you know kinds of different emotions but it's all normal and the other thing that I stressed a lot is that if you need help also, it's like normal, uh, go get yourself help. It's not a big deal. It's not a stigma. It's not crazy. Getting yourself help is very normal in such a situation, whether it's a teacher principal, an aunt, a therapist, or whatever it may be like, go get yourself help. And after I wrote it and we were, but I was discussing with, whoever the we is, I guess my boss of Akins and Sarifka cocoon from Lynx and whoever else, like I realized, that we realized that it's really not only for a team that went through loss to read this book, because just like I just explained to you, and it's, you know, good for you to understand that if you have a friend that went through loss, she can have this wide range of emotions and you don't have to go crazy because she keeps on changing her emotions. Like, it's good for everyone to know like, what a girl could really be going through. So, really, anyone that's, you know, a neighbor or an aunt or a friend or a principal or a teacher could read this book to really get an understanding of what these girls and boys might be going through. As a matter of fact, I was talking to my neighbors. My neighbors kind of, you know, came along with me on this journey. They're hearing about this book that I'm writing. I don't think they believed it was ever coming out because it was taking forever. And talking about it, it's almost done. And now it's really almost done. Now it's almost done again. And then I brought out, you know, pictures of the covers to, you know, get everyone's opinions about which cover we should do. And then we nipped all those covers and it had to be my new covers. So it finally came out and they all know about it. And they're all like, you know, I really want to read it. I just, I want to get into the head of this team. I want to understand what they're going through. So really, it's a book that really could benefit, you know, anyone that knows anyone that went through loss. So I'm going to talk now about some of the things that I talk about in there. If you have a friend that went through loss, a parent or sibling or anything else, it's very, very normal for them, for this girl to feel a lot of anger. Now, if one day your friend looks at you and your friend says to you, you know, I'm really angry. I'm angry at Hashem. I just... I don't know how he could do this like after everything that we did I mean all the time that we said in our classroom, I mean, all the time that was said in school and you know all the time that I did with my cousins and the davening the extra davening I did with my siblings and my aunts on my father's side and my aunts on my mother's side and there was so many things going on and what does Hashem do he takes my mother I- I'm just I'm angry at him I, I can't help but I'm just angry at him now uh, a high school girl's initial reaction to that could be like oh my gosh help we can't talk. That. No, don't talk like that, and, and we have to strengthen our moon, and, and we're going to start ruling the moon, and you know everything that Hashem does is all good, and, and it's Bashert, and this is really Hashem wanted from you, and that could be like the natural instinct to tell someone that says I'm in Hashem, but at this point. She doesn't need to hear that. At this point, what this girl wants to hear is simply validation. She needs to hear, you know, you're you're right. Of course you're angry, Hashem. What happened to you is so painful. It's so hard to understand how such a thing could happen. This girl needs to hear that, you know, that she's normal, that she's okay. And if possible, maybe if the conversation continues, you could you know, gently segun into a conversation of saying, you know, as you grow up and as you work for yourself and as you make changes in yourself, I think eventually that anger, you know, you're going to let go. You're going to let go. But for right now, all she needs to hear is validation. Of course, you're angry. It makes so much sense. Who wouldn't be angry? The same thing if she just is angry in general, even if she's normally a placid, easygoing kind of person. And now she's all angry and she could be angry at everyone in the whole world. If your friend starts talking about, you know, your teacher that did a horrible thing, like, you know, that Mrs. Schwartz, who we all love, you know, Mrs. Schwartz, we all think is like, Such a good teacher, and she gives such interesting blessings, and she always has such pretty clothes, and she seems to have such good midas. Well, the truth came out, you know. You see what what she said to me today. You heard her make me be responsible for that assignment, even though I explained to her how I really can't do it now. Okay, so she obviously doesn't care about anything except her classroom, so she's really a terrible person, and now we know the truth. She really has no midas she might be talking like this. She might start talking about the girls in the class. That girl, that's like the class queen. Okay, maybe she only cares about, you know, her clothes and her status and her family and whatever everyone thinks about her. But I can't imagine that she's going to stoop to that low. I, couldn't, I can't believe that she really stooped that low to do X, Y, and Z. Like, this girl might start talking, you know, out of anger like towards everyone. And I did not ask a child about her, but I am pretty sure that, um, trying to explain to her otherwise is simply gonna continue, Fosh her. It's gonna make her, you know, go on and on and on and try to explain to you how terrible all these people really are. And it's not what she needs right now. All she needs again is to hear, you're right. You're, you're you're right. You're just you're so angry, and it's okay. I'm gonna tell you something that I don't know if it's something you should necessarily repeat, but it's good to know. And again, if it comes up in conversation, you could bring it out that anger is always a secondary emotion. This means that a person is never really angry because they're angry there's always something under the anger that's causing the anger so for example if she's so angry at this teacher it could be that she's always an of student and she's just simply afraid that now that things in her home life change; she might not be able to keep up that that straight alice and she's really afraid about it. So it's much easier to be angry at a teacher that demanded a certain assignment than it could have been a very stupid assignment even. But it's so much easier to be angry at her than to stop and say, hey, I'm scared. If I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to keep my straight alice anymore. And the same thing, she might feel jealous towards this girl that still has her normal family life and didn't go through any major traumas like she did. So instead of saying, hey, I'm jealous, it's so much easier to say, oh, my God, she's a terrible person. I can't imagine that she would stoop so low. So the best thing that you could really do for your friend is to simply just validate. And listen, it's important to like make yourself into a safe person, that she knows what she has someone safe. It's important for her to know that she has someone safe that she could talk to the same thing with jealousy. Imagine if your friend turns to you and says, I'm so jealous. I'm just so jealous. I mean, every time I look out of my window on Shabbos and I see men, I see fathers walking into their house after Shul, I'm jealous of every single family that has a father to say kiddush at the Shabbos table. Every single time I see a mother and a, a daughter shopping together, I feel, again, you know, we have, many of us have that personality of wanting to be like a fixer man. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fix this up. You're jealous? Okay, no, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to tell you how terrible jealousy is. I'm going to tell you how we can't be jealous. But that's not what she wants to hear right now. Even though you might think you have all the right answers, right? We learned since we're four years old. Are you you jealous of someone that has glasses? No, because you don't need glasses. Everyone has exactly what they need. But your friend is really jealous right now. And like any emotions at any time in life, not just when you're a kid, but always, when an emotion comes, if you don't want that feeling, by trying to push it away, oh, 100% assurance that it's staying 100% fully you want to get rid of an emotion, you have to like accept it. Okay. So now I'm jealous. Now I'm angry. Now I'm sad. Hi, Josie. You want to stay by me for a little bit? Okay. You could. That's really how we have to, that's one of the ways that we help ourselves get rid of emotions. So if you're going to start telling your friend how terrible it is that that she's jealous and she really shouldn't feel jealous. And she has the exact package that she's supposed to have. And she is so strong and she's such an amazing person. You're going to turn her off. You're not going to be someone that she's going to want to talk to. So again, it's just about validating. Of course you feel jealous. How can you not feel jealous? It only makes sense. you feel jealous? I probably will also feel jealous. Who wants to not have a mother or not have a father? Of course you're jealous of people that do have both parents. I just want to take a minute to add that sometimes like these types of conversations could feel so huge to, to anyone, but especially to a high school girl that never really you know, had to deal with these types of things. And it's really, really okay to go get yourself help for you to speak to a teacher or your parent or I don't know whoever you feel like as a person that could help you out because I'm going to explain to you what I mean like if you go running to your teacher or principal or whatever whoever is in the school these days that people that girls talk to and you say and you tell them you know so-and-so she really needs help I mean you should hear the way she's talking she's angry she's jealous she's cries every minute, she you know, she changes emotions every second. I don't do I spoke to a lot of girls. Most girls that I spoke to said to me, I don't want to be singled out. I don't want any teacher to come to me and pull me out and try to talk to me and try to be my savior and try to help me. So, although there may be those few girls that do want it, it seems like most people don't. And if a girl is not ready to get themselves help, then even if the teacher calls her out, and even if the teacher tries to call, you know, speak to her, chances are she won't really make any changes. She won't open up to the teacher because she's not interested. And if she could trace it back that you went and you spoke to the teacher, that can make her feel very resentful towards you. But what you could do is you could get yourself help how to handle these situations what to say, how to make proper boundaries. Just because your friend wants to talk to you every night for four hours straight doesn't mean that you have to. It doesn't mean that you're a bad friend by saying, look, I really have to go now. I just can't be on the phone anymore tonight. It's okay for you to learn how to handle it. And when you learn how to handle these types of conversations, besides helping yourself, you're really also helping your friend because you're making yourself into a better person to be able to really be a safe person for her to share with you. So I really want to stress that it's really okay to go get yourself help because it makes sense that you shouldn't help. Let's talk about guilt. Imagine one day you're shopping and your friend turns to you and your friend says to you, "No, I feel so guilty. I was seriously the worst daughter. I don't know how I could have been such a awful daughter. I, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I just feel so guilty." Now, again, your initial reaction might be to say, "What? What do you mean? You were such a good daughter. What do you mean? You always did so many." good things for your parents, blah, 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 blah. But again, that's not what she wants to hear. I wouldn't say it's to validate with guilt, but along the same kind of definition, it's more to like identify it. Like, Aish, you really feel guilty. Now chances are that if she turns to you and says to you, I feel guilty, she'll probably tell you it's guilty all. And I don't know what she's gonna say, but I'm gonna assume that things that she might say is that she feels so guilty because she always is fighting with her parents she would say, you know, I just always, my mother, I always thought my mother just didn't get it. She never let me do what other girls wanted to do. She always gave me a hard time. She always gave me a hard time about buying all the latest things on style. She always thought I had enough clothes when I never had enough clothes. And I was just always fighting with her. How could I be such an arguing person? Even that's of an argument. Okay, it's true. I didn't know that she was going to get into a car and be hit by a drunk driver and killed. But like, why did I always have to argue with everything? And When a girl says something like this, the best thing to really answer is to help her see that in the moment, she was just being a regular person. Nobody is perfect. And we all do things at times that we shouldn't do, but she was being a regular person. And probably even if her mother didn't like it that she was always arguing with her, probably her mother was happy that she was a regular girl. And this is what regular girls do. Regular teens are going to argue that they need that other Shabbos outfit. It's just the way of the world. And, and that's okay. She might tell you how she's such a terrible daughter because her father was in the hospital and her mother begged her to come and her sibling went to visit all the time, but she never did. She simply never went because she much rather be with her friends. She much rather be hanging out with all of her friends. And again, bring her back to the moment. What was going on in the moment? Maybe there was just denial. Maybe this girl really couldn't handle seeing her father so sick and so weak and, Hooked up to all types of tubes. So this is her coping mechanism. So by kind of bringing the girl back into the moment, it could help her realize that maybe she didn't act the perfect way, but she was human and she acted in the way that she had to act in the moment. So it's a good idea to kind of bring her back in the moment and help her realize, you know, that in the moment she was being very normal. Another thing about guilt is that guilt is really in this world. We have guilt, not that we should live in it but that we should recognize that we did something wrong and that we should do true on it. So guilt is okay to have for like five seconds and then recognize I did something wrong, let me fix it up. So you could point that out and talk about how if you really feel guilty that you always argued with your mother, you weren't there enough for your family, whatever it is, how could you bring that into your life today and how could you make those changes? You feel like you're always arguing with your mother? Okay, so now maybe make sure not to argue with your father every second. Maybe, you know, don't argue with your younger siblings because they don't listen to you when it's bedtime and you are tasked with putting them to bed tonight. Try to be a little bit less argumentative. You feel like you weren't there enough for your father. You didn't show up for him enough. Okay, so now when you're a your third grade brother and you're getting very annoyed that he doesn't know what six times three is yet, have patience. Don't lose your patience. Don't run out. Second jobs is over. Instead, hang around for an hour. Help clean up, help, you know, just schmooze with whichever family members are around and make those changes. When you make those changes, then you usually feel, you know, the guilt starts subsiding because we can't change the past. We could change, you know, now. Another thing that, again, if it comes up, if the girl, you know, is able to handle it, you could always ask what are some good memories because maybe this girl feels very guilty by all the terrible things that she thinks that she did, but if you start talking about the good memories, the good times that you had at the, you know, the, the best time I'm told them that you had, a nice conversation that you had with your mother, a nice, you know, shopping trip together, whatever it is, she could start talking about all those memories, Then that could also help her realize that she wasn't really that terrible daughter that she thought she was, and at some point, she might need to hear what well, you were that best daughter, but don't start off with that. Because right, now, right in the moment, that's not what's going to really help her. I just want to also quickly point out that there is something called complex grief that I'm not going to talk so much about. But complex grief is when there was really a real situation in the home. Maybe the mother had a mental disorder. Maybe she didn't have mental disorder, but she was just a very difficult person to get along with. Maybe there was maybe this girls, a parent, a a child of divorced parents, and she almost feels relief that now she could say she's an orphan as opposed to a a child of divorce, which has much more of a stigma to it. So there could be a lot of situations when the grieving is much, much different. It's much worse. It's much intense, and it has a lot of other factors to it. So usually that's not the case, but I just want to point it out because if it is the case, then these things might really be much more real and, you know, much, much bigger. And why am I telling this to you? I guess then maybe it is something that you would need to speak to someone about. But let's assume that in most cases for Hashem, that's not really the that's not really the issue. Okay, the next thing that I want to talk about is morbid humor. And I like that because I definitely like morbid humor. Morbid humor is that kind of like dark humor that some people hate and some people love. So I know that I could be with my two of my sisters and we could say something very morbid about having, you know, so much of the family dead or whatever it is. And then we could start laughing as if we just said the funniest thing in the world. And we're like doubled over and laughed. And my other sister will be looking at us and being like, well, h- how can you talk like that? And and how can you even laugh at such a thing? Like, she totally is just so not like that. And I made a, a book, a scrapbook for my family, each person that died. And it's like very, it was, if you each person, I, now, and I need, of course, my one sister loves it. And the other sister thinks it's like, awful. How could... You have such a name. And I just remember showing it to a friend. And she would, do you want to write like a nice pasta thing?" And I was like, no, this is what it is. It's a dead people. family, it's really a coping mechanism for, you know, for many people. Now, it might be the type that your friend has this morbid kind of humor and you absolutely love it. And you want to, you know, go right along with him and joke with her about it. Then call it a vote. Go ahead and go do it and have a good time. But if it's something that makes you feel very uncomfortable, it's okay for you to say, you know, like, when you talk like that, I I, I really can't handle it. I'm just going to step back, and I'm not going to say anything, and I'm going to wait until this conversation ends. Because as much as you want to be there for your friend, you also have to be there for yourself. And it's okay to say, this is something that I really am not okay with. I really can't deal with this. So you go ahead, and I'm going to, you know, I'll come back when when you are done. Of course, it's also the opposite. If you have this morbid humor and you want to make you know morbid jokes to your friend, but she's not okay with it, then don't. My friend told me that her daughter was in seminary and there was a girl in there that didn't have a father and she had this morbid kind of humor. And it happened, it sounds like it might've happened more than once, but even if it happened only once, she walked into a room where the girls were talking about fathers and she walks in and she hears the word father and she's like... Ah! how can you be so insensitive and talk about fathers? And all the girls like looked at her horrified and then she burst out laughing. She's like, just joking, just joking, which is probably not the healthiest, uh, you know, way. But I think for her, it was probably one of her coping mechanisms and she needed this, you know, morbid kind of humor. Another thing that I want to talk about is about talking to your friends. Wait, talk about siblings also a little bit. Really what I'm saying really is also about siblings, but we'll talk about that a little bit afterwards, I guess. Let's say, keeping like remembering talking about the girl's deceased parent, it might be the type that she doesn't want. It might be the type that she loves it. So really it's up to you to ask her, like, what is it that you want? If you want to tell her that, you know, you passed by such and such a store and when you passed by, you remember when you were in the store together with your friend and her mother and you had such a good time and you did this and you did that and whatever, maybe your friend doesn't want to hear it right now. Maybe she, you know, she might be the type that will say, like, I'm going to do it. I'm happy. We're doing whatever we're doing. And you're going to bring up that memory about my mother. And suddenly I'm going to feel so much pain. So unless I'm talking about, you know, my mother, don't please don't bring it up. It might be the type that she might tell you, I love when people remember her. I love any memories. So please, whenever you have a memory, please talk about it. I, I want it so badly. But again, it's very individual. Each person may totally have like a different, you know, a different take on it. Like, if you know, two girls that lost a parents, you might hear from each person completely opposite things. And like I said earlier, they're both completely normal and they're both completely okay. So it's really up to you to kind of, you know, find out what it is that these, that these girls want. You know, it could be that someone lost their parents when they were just a baby and they really don't know their parents. It might even be that they were a baby, their mother died, their father remarried, and they don't even remember growing up in a house without a mother. They have a good relationship with their stepmother. Her father and stepmother had a bunch of siblings together and they're one big happy family. And whoever doesn't even know, doesn't even know the story. There's no reason for them to know because they're just a regular normal family. And yet she could say to you, you know, it really hurts that I don't know my mother. And again, your reaction probably will wanna be what in the world? Like, why? I mean, like, it's, you never even knew her. You can't be missing her because you don't know her. You have a mother, you have a good relationship with your mother, you have a normal family. So, like, what in the world is your problem? But the truth is, is that when a child doesn't know their parent, it could hurt very, very much. It's maybe a different kind of hurt than if someone didn't know their parent, but the hurt, the pain is still very much there. And I was talking to someone that her father died when her mother was pregnant with her so she really 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 never knew her father her mother married shortly afterwards and she grew up in a large family a wonderful relationship with her stepfather and everything was great and when she told me that she really like she really feels like an orphan I, I just I couldn't understand that and I was like arguing with her I'm like but it doesn't make any sense like you're not different than anyone else okay fine so maybe you go to Schultz say yes sir but you're the same as like any other normal regular person. She told me that when she was in her low 30s, I think she said, she went with her child to a therapist or something. And she came up that she was telling the therapist that her father died when her mother was pregnant with her. And the therapist said to her, Oh, wow, well, so you're an orphan. And she's told me that some like heavy loads, just like fell off of her. Like she felt so validated. Like, yes, I'm really an orphan. I don't know my father. I don't know what he looked like. I don't know what he sounded like. I don't know where I come from. I don't know him. And it really hurt. And again, I still argue with her. I'm like, but it just doesn't make sense. Maybe just you're like that. The rest of the world isn't like that. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And she said to me, you know, if someone is born with one hand, then she might grow up and she will know how to get herself dressed and she'll know how to feed herself and she'll be able to go to school and she could do her work and she could maybe even ride a bike and she could cook and she could do everything. So therefore, are you going to say, it's fine. She only has one hand. She doesn't need two hands. No, it's still better to have two hands. And that's what she said. It's like, she said, it's still better to know your parent, not knowing where your parent comes from, not knowing where you come from, who your parent is could be extremely, extremely painful. So if one day out of the blue, your friend tells you that she's an orphan, even though her father died 15 years ago and she has no idea who she is, again, it's just understanding, just validating and saying, my gosh, that must really hurt. I I can't even imagine. So I just wanted to point that out. I'm going to talk about going back to school now. Um, going back to school for a girl that just sat Shiva could be very, very scary. It's almost like they were like in a bubble. They were in a bubble of Shiva. They were in a bubble in their own house. They didn't leave their own house. Everyone came to them. It was all about them. They were the center of attention. And suddenly that bubble bursts and she kind of is walking out one door into another door of a completely different world. And it could feel very, very scary going back to school. What's everyone going to say to me? Is everyone going to look at me? Is everyone going to talk about me behind my back? What are the teachers going to say? And it could be very, very scary. If you have the opportunity, if it's like the type that you talk to her before she will say, again, you could ask her, what is it that I could do for you? Maybe you want me to walk into the classroom together with you and I could say, hi, guys, Buffy's here. And then you could say, hi, I'm still the same girl. And that's it. is broken. Maybe you want me to follow you around in the hallways so when every single girl that ever went through boss comes over to you and now they all talk to you. Now they all think that they have to be your best friend that could kind of like end the conversation and shoo you away. Maybe you want me to do nothing and you just want to see how the day goes. Whatever it is, it's okay. That's okay. You should ask your friend what is it that you need from me? I'm here for you. You tell me what I could do. And I would like to do that for you. The same thing with friends. One girl told me that she had a very, very close core of friends. And when she came back to school, it was like, oh my gosh, you, you guys are like in a whole different world than me. Like, I can't believe that like you really care about your greed. I can't believe you really care about what you learned to school It's Like, don't you know that like people die And when a person dies It so doesn't matter if you got a 70 or an 80 or a 100 on times, It so doesn't matter what you wore to school Shabbos It so doesn't matter um, What your friend I don't know, Said to you or thought of you or whatever Like It just doesn't matter Like How could he be talking about such trivial things And uh, it's, it's a very real feeling And in the moment the girl really feels like that And you could just like feel like You're just like worlds apart she was telling me that she just couldn't relate to her friends and slowly they shifted apart. And she looks back today and she says, I wish there was a teacher. I wish there was someone that would have helped me like hold on to these friendships because friendships are so important and they were really important to me. And I I, I didn't want to lose them. At the time, I thought I just couldn't be friends with them anymore, but they were my really good friends. Like I needed them. So if this is what's going on for you, your friend being per distance and she's shutting you out and she feels like she can't talk to you and you can't, she can't relate to you. She needs a space and she needs the time to just get grounded a little bit, come back to reality, to you know process everything that, that happened to her in the past few weeks, months, whatever it may be, and give her the space. And if you could do that for your friend, then eventually she'll come back to you and your friendship probably will be even better and stronger because you gave her exactly it. Even if it could feel a little hurtful to you, because of course, if you're going to be shut out suddenly from your close friend, it could feel hurtful, but it's really nothing personal. It's nothing against you. It's all of her, you know, trauma and her grief that she is working through. Another thing that I am going to talk about is going is having a simcha. When a person has a simcha where there's a missing parent that could bring up a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety and a lot of different emotions, a lot of different feelings. So, again, you could ask your friend, what is it that I could do for you? How try to fear is sometimes, the, you know, it, it's not really about the simple itself. It might be something as simple as, well, not simple, but, you know, my mother is going to pull this off. My father always, like, helped her so much. How is she going to do this herself? And if that's the case, then you can help her try to maybe figure out. Like a plan of what she could do to help her mother, or who she could ask for help, or whatever it may be to help this, you know, situation be a little bit easier. If she could pinpoint it, sometimes it's really hard to pinpoint really, you know, where the fear, where the anxiety, where the sadness is coming from. But a big thing at some is what silly, crazy, insensitive things are people going to say. So I know that one girl said to me, when my brother had a bar mitzvah, and people came over and said. Oh my gosh, your mother is looking down and she's so proud. She felt like this lady is saying, hi, bar mitzvah boy, you don't have a mother. In case you forgot, I'm here to remind you. She thought it was very insensitive and very wrong. On the other hand, if no one says anything about the deceased mother, the family might feel like, oh, great! my mother died three years ago and you forgot that this family ever had a mother. So it's not always, you can't always really know what the right thing to say is. And the girl might not even know herself, what she really wants to hear. So sometimes it really could be difficult, but again, you could see it, you know, it depends, I guess what your relationship is, what your age is, what the silk is, but do you want me to come and, you know, follow you around with tissues? And as soon as you start crying, I'll have a tissue for you. So you could, you know, make sure your naked doesn't run. Do you want me to just kind of stay, you know, like a wallflower, but if you need me, I could come running. Should I just stay home near my phone? So if you want to call me in the middle to just, you know, vent for a few minutes, I'll you know try it as much as possible to be able to answer the phone. One thing that could be very helpful is to go through what possible crazy things um, people might say. And if you go through all the different retorts that, you know, she wishes she could give, but she won't, it could really help. And it could also be a fun activity, you know, together. Like if someone comes over and says, oh, your mother is so proud. I know that she is. Then I personally would want to say to them, really, how do you know? Did you speak to her? Because I wasn't able to speak to her in a while. So if you could speak to her, then I have a message for her. Could I please? Tell you something to say to her. You know, there's a lot of different things, retorts that we want to give, depending on what the comment is. But go through with your friend all the different possible comments that people might say and and all the different retorts that you wish that you could give. And then you could have a lot of fun doing it. And then if someone comes over and says one of these insensitive, silly remarks, you know, you, the girl might almost have to, like, you know, stop herself from smiling because she knows exactly what she wants to answer. But instead of answering it, instead of laughing, she'll just not politely, but the hurt won't be there. So whatever, you know, preparation that you can do in advance to help could be very, very helpful. Okay. I feel like I'm speaking for so long. And everyone is probably very bored. So, I'm going to end off. Let me talk a little bit about siblings because I told you that I just want to point that out. I happen to be on, on a chat for siblings, you know, that for people that lost their siblings. It's an interesting chat because it's it's all ages. I don't even know what age it starts at from, you know, I don't know, young girls all the way to who knows what age of adults. So, I don't really know always who's, who, when people, a lot of times they'll write things. I have no idea, like, you know, are you 15 years old or 35 years old? I have no idea. But I texted them and I, I just, you know, put on the chat, I said, oh, by the way, I'm speaking. You know, for this project, line I'm just curious, any, any high school girls, what you have to say about what you wish people would know about those that, you know, lost their siblings? And really what they said was all mostly the same thing. They said, you know, like if, if we're triggered by something. Don't tell us it's not a big deal and that we should get past it. If we're triggered, then for us, it's big and it's for real. And please, like, you know, please be aware of that. And don't just, you know, pretend that we're being overly sensitive and we should let it go. This is what a lot of girls, I heard a lot of this, that if I come to school and I'm not a Neville case. And please remember that I'm not a Neville case. And I don't appreciate that any girl that ever went through loss should come over and talk to me because... Just because just, we went through the same loss doesn't mean that now we have to be friends. If I never had anything to do with you before, I don't want to have anything to do with you now. And another thing that I heard was about, again, bringing up the sibling, like, one girl says to me, I just wish sometimes that like, you would give me an opening for me to talk about my sibling because I really want to, I don't want to bring it up. I'm kind of waiting for you to ask me about it. Now, again, this could get tricky because like what I said earlier, you could, you know, you could ask about the sibling and they might get all annoyed at you. Like, why are you bringing it up right now? So it's definitely something that could be tricky, but I just wanted to put it out there. Then again, it's always fine to ask, you know, when I have a memory about your sibling or When some, I have a question, whatever, do you want me to ask, or is it better that I wait until you bring it up? You could get the feel from your friend. So I want to reiterate again that if you need help, if you feel like this is very, very big for you, to please self help because when you get self help, you are, you're being a much better person to be able to help your friends and you're not going to get drawn into something that's too big for you. And the truth is, is that, you know, when, when we feel needed, when a person feels needed in the beginning, it's very like, we feel good. Oh, she needs me. I'm her friend. I'm her person. She talks to me all the time. It could be a very good feeling. Like she really needs me to good for her. But Eventually, it feels like just too much. So it's okay to it's okay to speak to someone to see exactly you know what you could do, what you should you know whatever it is that you know you need to do, whatever you need help. I also want to point out that as human beings, you're going to make mistakes. So it's very simple and easy to be talking to your friend tomorrow or next week or next month, and you're going to go home and you're going to be playing the conversation in your. And you're ah like, oh, I didn't avail I tried, you know telling her what to do. I tried speaking to her about Amuna I almost I, I, one oh, oh my gosh I'm a terrible person I can't believe it I messed up. It's very, very typical. And again, I want to point out, you're human. You're going to make mistakes, especially if this is like a new learning experience for you, then you're definitely going to make mistakes. And it's okay if you, you know, feel like you could. You could go back the next day and you could say, you know, I felt like I really didn't validate your pain enough yesterday. So I just want you to know that I was thinking about you and I get it. Like you're really in a lot of pain. You're really angry. You're really sad. You're really whatever. And I just want to point that out. It might be better to leave it alone. And next time such a situation happens, you'll be more prepared for it. You know, I don't think I said before that when you are listening to your friend, it's really like important also to, again, to ask them like, you know, kind of to tell them like, I really want to support you. So what is it that you need from me? Do you want to just listen? Do you want me to give you feedback? Do you want me to hug you? Do you want me to just sit quietly with you? Like, it's good to ask, to get a feel. Everyone has different needs and it's okay to find out from your friend directly what it is exactly that she needs. Another thing that I wanted to point out is that you might start judging yourself for feeling emotions around things you might deem now are silly. Like, how could I really be upset at this greed that I got when my friend's mother died? How could I really be upset at the, the, the mess that my sister left in my room when her father died and she can't stop crying that she doesn't have a father anymore? Like, how could I care about these little things? Oh my gosh, there's such so much bigger problems. I can't believe it. How could I feel? You know, how could I feel How can I be making a big deal about things that are so much smaller? So you're human, you have your life and these things are real things and they're going to come up. You might have a clearer perspective now on what's really important, but it doesn't mean that anything small is not going to bother you. Small things are still going to bother you and if you try to just, I can't can't let this bother me, it's just too silly, then what's going to happen is that, I said, stay there. It's not going to go away. It's going to come out even stronger. So, I just want to end off by telling you like this, that nothing is random in this world. So the relationships that you have with your parents and your siblings and your neighbors and your friends and your teachers and your cousins and whoever else, it's not random. Hashem wanted you to have these relationships with these people for your growth. Which means that, okay, I'm sort of making this up now, but I think it's true. That like, it's not like, oh, you happen to be friends with Khani and Khani's father died, and, and now you have to learn how to deal with your friend. It's more like, no, Hashem wants you to learn how to deal with a friend that lost a father, so he's going to make you be friends with Hani. Like I said, it sounds right. Don't quote me on that, because I'm not really sure. But, but nothing really is completely random. And your friend now is going to have to go through a lot of growth. And a lot of change, and you really have this opportunity to go um, along with her on this journey and to make changes for yourself as well. And you might be surprised that at how much you might learn about yourself and how many changes you might make. Like for example, you might learn that you're a very good listener, and this is a very important skill that you never realized how important it is. You might realize the opposite that you know you talk a lot and you better stop talking and you better start you know learning how to listen more you might become less judgmental you might learn how to be less self-right you might learn more about boundaries and you might learn about pain it's really a real thing and pain in this world really exists you might learn how to give empathy how to receive empathy and all these things are really really important with all of our relationships it's lessons that you can learn that you can carry over today into your own personal life with all relationships that you have and what's even more important is that as you grow up you, to, I mean, you get married and you're going to have to start a whole new you know, relationship with your husband with your in-laws and with your husband's siblings and all types of people these are really lessons that you could really carry in that could really be very very beneficial for all future relationships so it's really an opportunity for you to um, really grow and to make changes and I just want to end off with the fact that I'm very very grateful that I had this opportunity to write this book and for those that need it I sincerely hope that they find it and I really hope that it helps them but I really hope that nobody else should need it, that all this suffering should finally end and no more young people should die. And we should really have Mashiach because we really, really need him. And again, I just want to thank you for having me on and for coming on and for listening. Thank you so much. I don't know how to even get the, do I know how to like get the the questions? Are they like still on? Thank you. Yeah. Oh my, someone really wanted to know where I live. Okay, you are such a strong person with having so many losses. Like I said, no one wants to be strong and how great they are, but thank you anyways. Did your mother die? She did. She died at the age of 58, which probably to you, it sounds really old, but it's really, really young. If you think about it, someone that's 58 could really still have unmarried children. Is it possible for you to slow down? Oh, I am sorry. Like story-wise, not time. I just think it might be hard for everyone to process. Okay. If you have any questions, please ask me. I I, I do talk fast. I could talk fast. I'm sorry if I talk too fast. Okay. How to handle when a good friend mother is sick. So it's really the same types of what your friend needs is really your empathy and your listening. And there's really not so much more than you could do for that if there is something to do if she, you know if she says she needs more physical help she needs someone to babysit her the younger kids one hour a week and if you're able to then you know then good but what she really needs is a safe sounding board so it's for you to listen to and to emphasize not to judge not to tell her how strong she is not to tell her how great she is not to tell her that her mother's going to be okay because you don't know if she wants you to ask questions about her sickness you could ask her and you know if she feels comfortable then she could answer if not it's okay for her to say that question you know makes me uncomfortable what if she is still still getting angry a bunch of years later that could be it could be that she's eight years later and it could be that she's going to need help eventually but again it's something that she has to come to her own you know to her own realization that I don't want to be angry like this. This is not a way to live through life. And I want to get myself help to get rid of this anger. For you as a friend, it might be hard to listen to the same things over and over again, especially when it's so long. If you could, you know, gently segue the conversation into something like, you know, maybe it's time to get help. Maybe you want to speak to someone. Do you want me to speak to someone for you? You could ask her. And chances are she might say no and don't try to convince her because you won't, it won't really help. It could just, you know, make her feel like, forget it. You don't get her. What if a girl doesn't act like she cares and jokes about it? How do we react? Because sometimes it could get awkward. So that's a little bit like what I spoke about with morbid humor. She does care. She definitely cares and she cares a lot. It could be that she really just doesn't know how to show her feelings. I mean, in general today, I think a lot of people have a lot of issues with vulnerability. I myself could, you know, really struggle with it sometimes. And those of you that read my articles, I wrote about, you know, I was very sarcastic. I'll just share a story that I wrote in in the mishpacha. Like people used to say to me, oh, so what are you doing for Yandif? And I would say, what do you mean? I'm going to go home to to my parents. Oh, nope, can't go home because they're dead. I guess I'm going to go to my sister. Oh, oops, she's also dead. Nope, not doing that. Maybe I'll invite my brother over. Oh, no, he's dead. Can't can't do that either. And if they didn't know what to respond, they would like take a step back and look at me like like wide eyes, like in horror. And, you know, I had to learn that, that this is not how I want it to be. And that under that, you know, sarcasm, there's really a lot of hurt. And I'd much rather face that hurt and work through it and, you know, not scare people off. So, you know, again, if a girl doesn't want to be vulnerable, Ability, she doesn't want to tell you her real pain. I don't know that there's much that you could do. If you have the opportunity to bring it up and say, you know, what's really going on for you? You could try, but something tells me, it, you know, it won't work. Is this only for people who lost a parent or also for other situations? So it's for other situations as well. I spoke about siblings and I did not speak about, let's say, grandparents or even people that like, you know, that they knew, a neighbor, an aunt, an uncle, but you could probably apply most of what I said to, you know, to any situation. If jealousy isn't allowed in the Torah and repressing it isn't healthy, which I totally agree, then why does the Torah say we can't be jealous or even anger and all emotions? We can't just turn our emotions off. Exactly. So I meant to say this and I forgot that jealousy is in the Torah and we we see it from Kain and Havel. Hashem put jealousy in this world. It's a real emotion and we are going to struggle with it. And I'll give you a personal example. I had a few years ago, something that was, okay, I'll just tell you what it was. It doesn't really have to be a secret. When someone that I was very close with was pregnant and I was having a hard time instead because my youngest at that point was, I don't remember how old she was, but she was pretty old and I was challenging for another baby myself. It was hard for me. And this person that I was very close with her and I was truly, truly happy that she was pregnant, like sincerely, truly a hundred million percent happy. But there was jealousy in me. And I remember calling up a friend and saying like, I'm a terrible person. I'm so happy that she's pregnant, but like, but I'm not, I'm, I'm jealous. And the first thing she said to me is, why are you fighting your jealousy? It's never going to go away then. And it was so true. I had to just face it. Yes, I am jealous. This is hard for me. This is something that I really want for myself. So I'm jealous, but But now I could work through it. Now that I'm not fighting it, I'm able to work through it. So we have to work through our emotions. But Hashem put emotions in this world. We're not malachim. Malachim don't have emotions. We have emotions. So it's important for us to acknowledge it. And then we could work through it. As long as we're fighting it, it's going to come back stronger. We can't just turn our emotions off. And that's why we have to acknowledge them. And then we could work through them. What about a friend who recently lost her mom? And she loves to put it in her face because that's her way of healing. The only problem is that a lot of times I won't know what to answer because I'm scared I'll say the wrong thing. For example, I'll say like to a group of girls, oh, yeah, my mom doesn't make me lunch anymore. And she'll just oh, My mom doesn't either. Like I said, that's me. And laugh. And I'm usually unsure what I should do because if I laugh, maybe she'll be upset. But if I don't, then she like, you know, can laugh. So, again, it's something that you really have to ask her. Because it's true. I mean, like those kinds of remarks are definitely, you know, hiding a lot of pain. If it's a type that you could just go over and hug her without saying a word, maybe that. But it might be the type that you have to, you know, ask her. Like when you say these things, should I laugh with you or should I not? Should I try to respond to you? Should I tell you I'm sorry that I mentioned my mother? Like ask her what it is that she wants. Of course, never mentioning a mother in front of a little awesome lost mother isn't won't make a very good relationship either. So I wouldn't really think that would be the right answer. But you know, sometimes you you know, you know could ask her and you know what, sometimes it could be uncomfortable and it's okay. Like it's just, there are situations in life that are uncomfortable. What if when you tell your friend that you can't talk now because you need to take a break for yourself and they get hurt and get their anger out on you and say things like you aren't even a good friend, then how do you be there for your friend when you upset her? So like I said, we're allowed to make boundaries and it's okay to make proper boundaries And if your friend gets angry at you because she thinks you have to be there for her 24 seven, that's really not on you. That's on her. And that's something that she has to work through. So it doesn't mean that you should tell her, you know, Hey, you got to work through it. It's your problem, but it's okay to her. You know, I really care about you and I really want to listen to you. But like, I, I just right now can't talk on the phone anymore, but we could talk later. If you're constantly feeling like, you know she's angry at you, and now she's not angry at you, and now you have to be there for her 24 hours, and now she's angry at you again. Then, again, I would suggest that you talk to somebody about it because um, it doesn't sound like a very healthy relationship. And if the relationship is harming you, then it's you know then you have to take care of yourself first. Because besides for yourself, you also will be a better friend to her when you have healthy boundaries for yourself. Who in your life was nifter? I lost my parents and two siblings. What if they mention a mother random times and you're not sure what her type is? What are you meant to say like at random times? She'll be like, I found my mother's, what should you say? I think that if she's bringing it up, I, I'm guessing it's okay to you know respond. Oh yeah, you found your mother's, whatever. What was that like for you? I'm guessing that she probably... That's an opening for her and she wants to talk about her mother. If you try that and it doesn't work, then you could try something else. Or again, you could ask her. What about with people who are friendly with you? or Even if you are friends with them, but not super close. And what if with a grandparent that she was close to, does it depend on the person? I don't completely understand the question. What about with people who are friendly with you? or Even if you are friends with them, but not super close. I think that, you know, in most times it's important to just, you know, not ignore the situation. So when she comes back to school, it's okay to go over to her and say, I'm really sorry about your loss. Or even to call her up, you know, a week later and say, I know it's probably her for you and I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you. I'll tell you that there was someone in the community in Detroit that every year she called my mother around this time of year, which is my brother's year, today. actually it was just today. And she, every year she would call up. and my mother never really had much to do with her. The relationship was very like high like the end. But it meant so much to my mother that every year she called up and either she left a message or if my mother answered the phone, it's just a quick like, hi, I'm thinking of you. I know this is a hard time of year for you. And the end. And my mother appreciated it so much. So I'm guessing that most people really would appreciate such kind of phone calls. But if you got the vibes that she doesn't appreciate it, then let it go. And when you feel so helpless and you want to do something, it always helps to you know to dab and just say paragraph to help them, for them or even in your own words, say Hasham, please you know, be mechazik or help her get through this, you know, this time so you are doing something with her even for her even if she doesn't know about it and what if with a grandparent that she was close Does it depend on the person? Everything depends on the person. But yes, losing a grandparents could be very difficult, especially like today. Grandparents could be so young, and girls could be really close to them. So it could be, you know, it could be a very difficult situation. I mentioned this book earlier. I'm going to mention it again. It's called "I Wish." No, it's called "I Lost Someone Special." It's really written for kids, and it talks about the mitzvahs in the shama and what we could do for the shama But like the idea is really for children that lost grandparents, and it might be something that you could even, you know. I don't know, buy for yourself or buy for your friend, and whatever, because adults like it a lot. Also, it kind of gives the message very clear and you know in a non-threatening way. Is it the same thing with divorce? If a friend's parents got divorced, it may not feel the same. As losing a parent, but for them it can feel extremely sad, and they may have sad emotions for a while. You're right, absolutely. I can't talk so much about divorce because I, Baruch Hashem, didn't deal with it personally, and I didn't write a book on it, so I, I didn't, you know, interview all these people. I might write a book on it. But the therapist that I worked with in writing this book, her name is Talia Arieff, and she's a great person. And she's after me that we have to do this for children, you know, for divorced children also. So maybe when they all have their answers. But either way, when someone is going through something, what they want is validation and empathy. Is it an power to read the book to try to see a little bit about what your friend is going through? No, I actually said in the beginning that like after we wrote it, after I wrote it, we realized that it's really for anyone that, you know, that knows someone that went through loss. Any aunt, neighbor, friend, teacher, principal, like anyone, because it really gets you into the minds of these people and really helps you understand a lot. My friend lost her father, but she never said a word to me about it. What should I do? I'm going to assume that she lost her father before she knew you. So if she never said a word to you, then she probably doesn't want to say a word to you and you should just follow her lead. You know, you know, it could be like when I was interviewing girls, I heard so much of like, I just want to be normal. I don't want people to know that I don't have a, a perfectly normal family. So it could be that she's, you know, very afraid of letting you into her, what she considers her not normal life. So if she doesn't say anything, I want to bring it up. Thank you so much. My friend lost her father just before the summer. And you helped me understand her perspective and gave me a lot of chizak. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak. Thank you so much. What about a friend who had a loss a long time ago? How do I treat her? I think we talked about that a little bit before. It's again, it's really following her lead. What you know, what does she want? And it's understanding it. Even if it's a long time ago, or even if she, she doesn't remember the parents or she only has hazy pictures of them or whatever, it still could be very, very painful for her. So it's definitely something, you know, to Remember, what do you tell a friend that if she's really angry at and starts to question her faith? Anyone she can talk to? So there's probably a lot of people that she can talk to. I don't know who you live and what the dynamics are in your school and in your community. If she needs a teacher, a therapist, you know, just a nice lady, a nice man, a rough, I don't know. But, you know, but whoever could help her is someone that she could talk to. And again, like I said, that it's really, it's it's normal. And it's not a crazy thing that someone deals with anger at Hashem. And I wrote about this in my book. And I think I wrote about it in other places also that, like, uh, someone once was in the book, I wrote about a father that, no, a boy that lost his father, and he was so angry at Hashem. And he, he felt like such a terrible person, like, how could I be angry at Hashem? And one day, his rabbi said to him, you know, you really have a very close connection to Hashem. And he was very, very taken aback. Like, how could you say that? I'm angry. I mean, we're from Yedin. You're not supposed to get angry at Hashem. And he said to him, but you're not angry at that Indian guru that lives out in India, are you? So the bachala looked at him like, no, why would I be? This is, why aren't you? Because you know he had nothing to do with this. The fact that it's in Hashem makes you, you know, realize that this is from Hashem. So that means you really have a relationship with Hashem. So maybe you need to work on that relationship right now. But you're not a terrible person. You're actually a person that's very connected to Hashem. What is your maiden name? My maiden name is Shoenig. I have a friend who went through a lot more than loss. She's also in Oh my gosh, no, no. She's also on Foster. Parents are not all there and much, much, much more. I feel like she's too mature sometimes that she feels like I'm dumb. Like I'll be arguing with my father and she'll be like, grow up. She won't actually say it, but that's how she feels. What do I do? Well, I don't blame her for feeling like that. I'm sure there's nothing more than, you know, she wishes to have a normal family and normal parents. And she probably can't understand how anyone could argue with a father if they have, you know, if they have a father. So I totally get that. And I think the same when I get it, you should get it also. Like it's, you know, she she's, she's going through a lot. She's in a lot of pain. What should someone do if they feel helpless to do anything for the friend? How can they satisfy that feeling of needing to help? So like I just said before, that davening always helps. She won't know that, but that doesn't matter. It's for you. You could either take out, a, you know, it's a element davening, you could daven for her and, you know, Shema Kalino and, and, and Shema Esrei. You could, you know, just daven in your own words as you go through your day. Like, yeah, like as you go through your day, you could just daven. Then Hashem should, you know, give her the kayak and give her the strength and help her get through this. Do you have tips on how to handle the first Yurtse of your great grandfather. I feel like very like alone in his death. I'm like, no one will understand me. I've been very undecisive about everything. Okay. So, again, I, it's hard for me to answer because I don't know enough details. If you're able to go to the cemetery and to down by the cavern, that is um, something that really honors the Nishama and that's something that could be done. Any mitzvahs that you could do, so if, even if you can't get to the cemetery, first of all, you could say in the beginning of the day, anything that I do today should be the Elin and you could say his name. The side is really like a judgment. They sort of like, we have Rosh Hashanah down here. The side is kind of Rosh Hashanah for the So anything that you could do for the Nishma will really help the Nishma in that judgment. I'm wondering why I think no one will understand you. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that if you're sad, you're, you know, your parents are also sad, your siblings are sad, or cousins or grandparents or someone, what should someone do if they feel helpless to do anything for their friend? How can they satisfy that feeling of needing help? What if my friend uses it as an excuse all day that her parents died? Like all day, it's like, well, my father died, so I get this. How do I react? Like, I get you have a loss, but still have struggles. You know what I would tell you to do? I would honestly tell you to buy my book and read it. There's a whole section in there that's called, hold on, I'm going to look it up. It's called Know Your Truth. And although it's talking to um, to the girls, you might like kind of get a little bit of like of understanding what could be going on. You know, girls could be struggle. Like it's it, it's a struggle sometimes. You know, they use it as an excuse, but uh, probably they're not really happy with using it as an excuse. And if you read that, it might help you understand a little bit what's what's going on for her. Okay, how old are you when this all happened? So starting at the age of like twenty or twenty one, and then I had a few like years when no one died, and then years after that. Okay. What if you can't get what she wants? It's my friend's mother's yard site tonight. I'm not sure if I should say something or not. If she, if you know that it's her yard site, I'm assuming that she knows that you know. So I think it's probably best not to ignore the fact. And to say something, just, you know, I'm thinking about you. I know it's a hard night for you. I know it's a hard day for you. Also, I have a friend who lost her father. He was, he, he was, her parents were divorced for a few years before that. I'm not very close with it, but I know that this happens even with girls she was very close to. She kind of pretended it didn't happen. And the shiva was sort of like a class party you know, there's always going to be, every. I think every Shiva family has stories of just like, you know, the laughing attacks that they had. I remember a neighbor, she never lost a child. I remember her saying that a bunch of girls in her class came to her at the same time and they had a total blast going down memory lane. I could tell you stories from, you know, my own Shiva, things that just Made us laugh like crazy, and if anyone would have walked into the house at that moment, then they would have felt like crazy. But you know, it's just—it's very normal. So I wouldn't like be so worried, and you know, I wouldn't—I wouldn't think so much about it, look so into it. My friend lost her father when we were already friends, and she talks about him like he's still alive. Like my father makes a challenge. What should I do? I wanted to know I'm here for her, but don't want to be enough if she doesn't want me to. I think that's okay. That's just her coping mechanism, and, and that's okay. Sometimes we need these these coping skills to cope and as she gets older she's probably gonna have to come to terms with and work through it but for right now i would say it's okay okay i pretend that i know what i'm talking about maybe i really don't know. i feel like my friend wants me to bring it up but she doesn't know how to should i bring it up i would say yes of course it has to be you know probably just the two of you alone and try to get the right moment but i would say yes from yes i am related to them they are my cousins okay is that it my older brother passed away before I was born. Now I'm the oldest because if it's, you know, something that's, you know, don't talk about and hide in the closet, then that could be very, you know, painful and difficult. But, you know, I'm sure you want to know about your brother. So yeah, ask. I don't know how old he was, but if I guess he was just a baby, but still, you know, look at pictures and ask what it was like when he was born and and find out whatever you could. And that might really help your whole family get through the pain. So then I guess that's it. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. I appreciate Taking the time to share with us and to answer everybody's questions. I'm sure it helped many girls. It helped me gain a new perspective on a lot of things also. So, thank you. All right. Thank you so much for having me in. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night. Have a good and night. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Have a great night and keep on being inspired. You have just listened to an episode by Miriam Ribiat. For more episodes or for additional information on future episodes, visit our website www.hevralomdemishna.org or email mribiat at hevralomdemishna.org.